0: The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35, story of Simeon. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, so that the thoughts, and thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, your good word that comes to us uh, here this afternoon, Lord, that uh, we can read this and know you more and understand more about you, Father. And so, God, I ask as we spend this time in your word that you would teach us and mold us and make us more and more like you, Father. Amen. Have you ever uh, put together a bucket list? Yeah. So, yeah, you have? Okay, good. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you for the feedback. Like, if, you, if you've ever put together... If you're not sure what a bucket list is, a bucket list is a list of things that you would like to do before you die. Now, there's nothing... Am I doing something wrong with that? It's all good. There's nothing wrong with having a bucket list. I've got a few things on my own personal bucket list. Uh, one of the things that is on my bucket list is uh, driving a road train... From Brisbane to Broome. Now, I don't, I, there's, it doesn't have to be a road train. It can be any kind of vehicle. I would love to just do the drive, a big drive, a big truck one day from Brisbane to Broome. And Broome is on the other side of Australia, on the western coast of Australia, kind of the northwestern coast. And that's one thing that I would like to do before I die. Now, I don't know if I'm going to have that opportunity. Uh, like, if you have a road train and you need it to be driven to Broome, I'm your guy, I'd love to do that for you. Even just a vehicle, even in a motorbike, but anything, I would love to drive that for you from Brisbane to Broome if, that, if I had that opportunity. Uh, another thing that's on my bucket list would, is, and this is a little bit silly, uh, but swimming from Bullcock Beach to Bribey Island. Now, that's, that's just a short passage, it's, that, it's not huge, but it looks kind of dangerous, and I, but I don't know if it is, but I want to do it. I don't want to do it at high tide when it looks a little bit... I'm not when it's like low tide and you can kind of almost walk across it. I want it to be like an achievement. But I've told, been told by people who are like lifesavers, like, yeah, you really shouldn't do that. And so, you know, there's safety in numbers. So if you're keen and you want to come with me and swim from Bullcock Beach to Bribie, let me know. Maybe Sunday afternoon we can go down to the beach and do that. Um, that's something I would like to do before I die. That might be the thing that I do. I won't go there. Um, my third thing on the bucket list, is that this isn't a comprehensive list, these are just three things that I came up with, is just to be able to do the splits. I think a guy of my physique, my guy of my size, to be able to whip that out at a party would be incredible, right? Just to be able to do the splits and, and pull that out, I reckon that would be really, really cool. So maybe that's more of a New Year's resolution to learn how to do that. Um, I've tried a couple of times and I just thought, no, that's not going not to happen. So... It's not hard for us to think of things that we would like to do or achieve in this life. And that's because that question, what do you want to do before you die? like that bucket list list of things to do, that it speaks to something inside of us. As if we know that this life of ours does indeed have a purpose. And we don't want to miss out on on fulfilling that purpose. Now we have a name for that here in this in our culture a word called FOMO, or the fear of missing out. We don't want to miss out on what life has to offer us. Now, this, is, this feeling of FOMO, this, this is exaggerated and exacerbated by things like Instagram, where if we spend too much time scrolling on Instagram, we'll slowly become convinced that everybody around us has found their purpose in life, and they are fulfilling their purpose in life to their great joy and delight, and we are missing out. And the reason why I share this is because the passage that we're looking at today, the story of this guy named Simeon, we're we're encountering this guy who only seemed to have one item on his bucket list. And it's the ultimate bucket list item. It's seeing the Lord's salvation. If experiencing salvation is something that is on your list, on your bucket list, receiving God's salvation, if that is on your bucket list, then it doesn't matter what else is or isn't on your list, or whether you achieve those things, you've made it. You've won the day. Jesus is, what make, Jesus is who makes life worth living. And the main point of today is that God loves you. Kids, if you're filling out the the worksheets, this is one of the questions. What's the main point of today? The main point of today is this. God loves you, and he wants this life of yours to count. And he is giving you the very thing that you need to make your life count, and that is himself. Kids, if you missed that, the words are on the screen. God loves you. He wants this life of yours to count, and he has given you the very thing that you need to make this life of yours count himself. Now, there is an awful lot of material to cover today, but we're just going to be quick. As I was studying this passage, I was struck by the, the recurring theme or the recurring word that came up a few times here in this passage, and I'm not sure if you noticed it. It's the word revelation or reveal, Something is being revealed in this passage, and it happens three times. It occurs three times. At the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. And so this revealing, or disclosing, or unveiling forms the three points of today's sermon, today's message. Firstly, the first point is unveiling the king. Secondly, unveiling salvation. And thirdly, unveiling the heart. Simeon's story is not one of the most well-known parts of the Nativity story. Like if you saw an nativity story or a you know, Christmas pageant, as our friends in Canada would say, um, it wouldn't be a common thing to see Simeon played out in the Christmas story. Like you don't normally see kids like, oh, I want to be the wise man. I want to be Simeon. Like that doesn't normally happen. However, Simeon's story contributes a whole lot to this. And it's quite remarkable. Simeon is described as being righteous and devout. In other words, he acted well. He spoke well of people. He, he's one of those people, he's one of those old souls who others speak well of. And so let's, talk, let's walk through this text. Firstly, we learn of the unveiling of the king. Mary and Joseph arrive in Jerusalem with their new baby boy, and according to custom, they enter the temple to, uh, to present Jesus to the Lord. Now, now that there is not an insignificant detail. Dedicating the firstborn son to the Lord was something that God commanded his people to do in Exodus 13, immediately, immediately, and I do mean immediately after God rescued his people, God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. It is so closely this idea of dedicating the firstborn son it is so closely related to this theme of salvation that we can't help but expect that this whole scene here is going to be framed by this idea of salvation. Now, we're told that Simeon was waiting for something that was called the consolation of Israel and it had been revealed to him by God that the world that he would that he would see the Lord's Christ before he died. Now, both of those things deserve our attention. The Consola- consolation of Israel referred to the fact that God was making things right in the world again. If you were to read the history of God's people in the Old Testament, you'll discover that about five or 600 years earlier, things went pear-shaped for God's people. They, th- they went belly-up for God's people. But God promised, through his God promised his people through the prophet Isaiah that he was going to make things right again in a forever kind of way. And this fix that God was, was, was working would bring comfort. God was going to bring consolation to the people of Israel. And if you go and you read Isaiah chapter 66, which is the last chapter of Isaiah, comfort and consolation are a big theme of God's promise to his people. Consolation, comfort. Simeon was waiting for this comfort, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then as you read the Old Testament, you'll get the hint that this fix that God was planning was actually that he was going to send a king. And this king was going to rule like King David, but only better. And so the word to look out for is the word Christ. It's a reference to the king that God would send. And so in this passage, we have these these big mega themes of God's word coming together. Salvation, consolation, and the king. They're they're, they're synonymous terms for the exact same moment. So we're told that the Holy Spirit came upon Simeon and, and, and revealed to him that he would see this king. God's king would be unveiled before Simeon's eyes, before he would face death. You see, Simeon had inside knowledge of the timing of the coming of the Messiah. He didn't know the exact moment, but he did know it had been revealed to him that he would see the Lord's salvation before he died. This is why we sing at Christmas time. We didn't sing it today, but we've been singing. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth. Thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. That's what this this hymn is talking about. That's what the carol is talking about the consolation of Israel coming with King Jesus. So firstly, the king is unveiled, and then secondly, we see the unveiling of salvation. So on this particular day, the Holy Spirit leads Simeon into the temple and he sees Mary and Joseph and something clicks. Like I don't know if he knew exactly what or who he was looking for, but he walks into the temple, he sees Mary and Joseph, and he knows he knows that this is actually the Messiah that he had been waiting for. And I wonder how excited Simeon was at this moment, like how long had he been waiting for. And so he takes Jesus up in his arms and he erupts with these words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, Simeon's words reveal a great deal to us. He declares that his eyes are staring at salvation. Salvation is what the Israelites experienced when they were rescued from slavery in Egypt hundreds, thousands of years earlier. Salvation is what you and I experience when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is something that becomes forever true of us and it determines how we live after we put our trust in Jesus It means being saved from God's wrath upon the thing that is in each of our hearts and that separates us from God, which is our sin. See, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you might be surprised to hear that Christians believe that that sin is the biggest problem in our lives. Now, if you're not a Christian, you'll likely disagree with me on that, but that's what Christians believe. The deepest and most sinister and most complex problem in each of our lives is the sin that exists at the depths of our hearts. And the reason why is because that separates us from God. There's no amount of good deeds that you can perform. There's no amount of money that you can earn. There's no amount of people that you can impress. There's no amount of success that you can achieve. There's no amount of church services that you can attend to fix your broken relationship with God. Salvation is something that God alone can do. And here, Simeon is looking at salvation personified. Jesus is salvation personified. He is the only way that our sins can be removed from us. And this salvation is something that God has prepared for all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's that second time the word revelation is used. The king has been unveiled to Simeon and through his words, the light of salvation is for all of mankind has been revealed. Not just the Jews who who alone knew God at this stage, but for all of mankind. So Simeon sees God's rescue plan which he designed and orchestrated for all people, personified in this little baby. And now, Simeon can depart in peace. His bucket list is complete. Did you know that for all of the wonderful experiences that we might have or hope to have, or the foods that we would like to eat, or the places that we would like to visit, or the people that we would like to meet, There is only one thing that has any kind of real significance for the eternity of our lives. Only one thing will allow us to depart this world in peace, and that is to behold the salvation that comes from God alone. My hope is that this Christmas, beholding salvation that comes from God alone, would be at the top of each of our bucket lists. Whatever you have hoped for in this life, may salvation, may, may God's salvation for mankind be the top, thing at the top of the list. So salvation is unveiled and now we find the unveiling of the heart. The final unveiling of this passage is of the heart. Mary and Joseph, they were stunned at Simeon's words, no doubt because it only confirmed everything they'd experienced so far with the angels and the, and the, and the shepherds and everything that had happened. And it seemed to even carry it further forward. And then Simeon addresses both of them, and he blesses them. And speaking to Mary in particular, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This prophetic word from Simeon is stunning, and it takes direct aim at our hearts. Jesus Christ will cause some people to rise and some to fall. Some people will hear the good news of Jesus Christ and their hearts will become hard. Jesus speaks of these people himself in John 3.19. This is why we read that passage earlier. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Their hearts will be revealed to be filled with sin, and they will persevere in their attempts to be their own Savior. Then there are others who will hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and their hearts will melt. Jesus also speaks of these people in that same passage in John. He says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, whoever does what is true comes to the light. Their hearts will be revealed to be with sin filled with sin, and they will cast themselves on God's infinite kindness and mercy. Every one of us has the problem of sin inside of our hearts, but there is and only ever will be two types of people on earth, those who trust in God and those who don't. Those who don't trust in God will inevitably try to save themselves by their good works or by their status or by their achievements or by their kids or by their income or by their religiosity or by whatever it is. They'll try and tick off every item in their bucket list hoping against all hope that by the end of their life it'll be worthwhile and they'll be able to get to the end of their life and know that they didn't miss out. And that kind of thinking... That will introduce into their lives the greatest and most crushing weight they will ever experience, and that will suffocate them. Trying to be your own savior will crush you and will suffocate you. But the good news is that because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to try and be our own saviour. We don't have to try and, and, and fill, uh, finish off that bucket list. We don't have to try and do that stuff just to be able to make our lives worthwhile. The only thing that can make our lives worthwhile is trusting in Jesus to deal with our sin. And if that's all you do in this life, then you've made it. So how does Jesus take away our sin? How does Jesus deal with sin? Simeon tells us. Speaking to Mary, he says... A sword was pierced through your own soul also. In the previous chapter, which we started last week, Mary's elderly cousin Elizabeth said to Mary, you are blessed amongst all women because of this. But here we're learning that Mary is going to have to endure something that no other mother on earth ever would. She would watch her son take on the sins of the world. Mary's soul was going to be pierced. She was going to have to watch her precious boy die a slow and excruciating death that he did not deserve to save mankind from their sins. He would selflessly give his own life as a substitute in our place. In love he died for us. A sword will pierce her heart and at the same time would bring consolation for all of mankind. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So at Christmas this year, may you and I be consoled and comforted by the wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ. He has been given to you and I for us to trust in him, to save us from our sins. So may we know that God loves us and he wants this life of ours To count. And He has given us the very thing that we need to make this life of ours count, which is Himself. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au.